That's great. Sounds awesome. Man, wish I'd had that when I was a kid. That would be great. Wouldn't it be great? I only wish they could be young again with all the opportunities there are, eh? Just fantastic opportunities. Of course, I think some will never grow up, of course. You realize that. <laughs> Here, we're going to uh, just, uh, Doug's going to come and speak to us for a few minutes. And uh, Doug went on an undercover mission into China. And uh, so we sent him alone into China, not knowing where he was going, what was going to happen, who would meet him or what might happen there, or whether he'd even come back. So uh, anyway, he came back after all this and got some fantastic stories to tell about what God is doing in the Chinese church underground. Come on, give him a great clap and welcome. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord this, uh, this evening? Yes. Do you know the scripture? The scripture that says in Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. You know that scripture? They overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony of what Jesus Christ had done in their lives, and they did not love their lives to the death. I've never met so many people who were prepared to lay down their lives for Jesus Christ. I met a young woman who had uh, started a children's ministry uh, in Zhengzhou, which is one of the cities that I went to. And this young woman just started the ministry. You see, first of all, you've got to know that it's a problem to be a Christian in China, okay? It, it's a problem. You, you risk being beaten up. You risk being imprisoned. You risk being shot if they perceive you to be a big enough risk. Okay, this young woman just rented an apartment. She's in her mid-twenties, okay? Um, young but full of faith and fire. And she just invited kids in off the street, okay? Just invited them in off the street, told them about Jesus, asked them if they wanted to receive Christ. They did. And said, next week, bring your friends, okay? And, and the next week, they do bring their friends. And she's got this growing kids ministry amongst communist China where if she's caught doing it, she will die, Okay, if the if the uh, authorities find out about it, she's got a real problem. Now, I just met so many people there who were just fired up for God and ready to lay down their lives for Jesus Christ. And uh, just what a privilege it was to meet them. I got to minister to a, a number of them, just young ones, young ones uh, in Be uh, Beijing. Uh, I ministered to a, a small group of uh, young ones who have been uh, trained up as translators. And uh, the year before, they'd been sent off into Pakistan. Again, early 20s, sent off to Pakistan, knowing that they could die for their faith. But they were prepared to lay down their lives for Jesus Christ. Isn't that just an incredible thing? And you know what? They've got the devil on the run in China. The devil is scared of what these guys are doing. He's got them, uh, uh, they're just, uh, the devil is trembling in his, in his feet at what's going on. I... Uh, just had an incredible help from God right from the beginning in Hong Kong. I was left without having any of my contacts in, in uh, Beijing. I was flying out to Beijing. They don't speak a whole lot of English there. I, all I knew was the initials, his first name, second name, initials of the guy that I was going to meet, which isn't a whole lot of help. I didn't have his phone number or address or anything. I'm saying, God, this is a mess. How am I going to find this guy? Well, I'm thinking this is a mess. Uh, another fellow walks in from uh, mainland China. Okay, he's staying in the, in the hostel one night to meet up with his international flight the next day, and he's flying out. Okay, I get talking with this guy, and I say, you know, I know China's a big place, but um, look, uh, is there any chance that you know this guy, JT? Okay, there's 1.3 billion people in China, okay? So, 
This is a long shot. Okay, 1.3 billion. And uh, I say, do you know this guy, JT? And he goes, yes, he's a good friend of mine. Not only that, okay, not only that, I have a cell phone number. I have his landline and I have a world calling card. I'll give him a call for you right now. (laughs) That's a great place to say amen. Praise the Lord. It was awesome. So just incredible. I knew right from then that God's hand was with me and he helped me just in such an incredible way. And ministering to the people, I've never had just such an incredible time ministering to people whose hearts are just completely sold out for Jesus Christ, completely sold out. And then when I just ask them, just lift up your hands and let's worship the Lord. And the Spirit of God just touched them in just an incredible way, just an amazing way. But you know what? It's their hearts, they had just completely given themselves over to Jesus Christ. They lived each day not knowing whether this would be their last day. But within that, they were just passionate for Jesus to follow him and give him everything and make a difference in this world. So for those of you who prayed for me, thank you very much. I appreciate your support. And uh, if you want to see some photos, I've got some great photos too. So bless you all. Fantastic. And uh, very risky, all undercover, can't be seen in case you get arrested. I love all of that. And uh, first time around, didn't they tell me about the Korean pastor? First time they arrested him, beat him. Second time they killed him, put him in a box and sent him home. Isn't that right? (laughs) So that's the Chinese nation. It's not quite what you think. And so what's presented as the public face isn't the real face. real face is quite different. You need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of the tremendous need there is for people to still act as couriers, to take Bibles into China. The underground church gets no Bibles except what couriers bring in. Bill's been doing a great job every year taking teams out and going out himself. Done over 120 trips into China now carrying Bibles. And people who have no Bibles, who live their life without the Word of God, just weep when they receive the Word of God from someone who just... uh, made the effort of giving a part of their life to Christ to come. Isn't that fantastic? Man, we're living an exciting time, aren't we? I want to share a little bit about Taiwan later on, but I want to share a word of God to you tonight. I want you to open up in Jeremiah chapter 1. There's one thing that uh, we need to be really aware that uh, God is raising up a new generation. There's a new hour that we're in right now. And right across the world, there's a generation of people rising up who are, who are facing and making a difference in their nation. And uh, it's our time. You know, I look and see in the church here, see the kind of program Steve's operating, and uh, uh, young people having a chance to come and get encounters with God, uh, what's happening in the youth and the ministry of the Holy Ghost in this church. Friend, we've got a great opportunity here. We have to take advantage of it. I want to share with you about Breakthrough Generation. I want you to have a look with me. We're going to read in Jeremiah chapter 1. See, so Jeremiah 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Ananoth in the land of Benjamin. To him the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. And it also came in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah. Of course, when you read it all, it doesn't make a lot of sense to you. I want to give you a little bit of information about this background, because once you understand it, you understand so much about how God works. The uh, time that Jeremiah was born, the Bible tells us some things about his background. Your background does not need to be a limitation to you. First thing, your background is not a limitation when you let God into your life. Now, wherever you've come from, whatever your background, it is not a limitation on your future unless you choose to let it be. 
Your background does not limit you. It does not hold you back unless you choose to let it hold you back. It's your choice and my choice whether we will live in our past with the disappointments, failures, and hurts, or whether we'll rise up and let God get a hold of us and carry us forth into what He has for us. Let me tell you something about the the background of Jeremiah. The Bible says he was one of the uh, sons of one of the priests. Of course, what that doesn't tell you, unless you look into the Bible, was actually the generation that Jeremiah emerged followed on from a season in Israel's history when there was a wicked king, Manasseh. He introduced the whole nation to spiritism, Satanism. He went into the temple. He broke down the, uh, the items that were used to worship the Lord. He put idols in the temple of God. And the whole nation became corrupt and backslidden, overridden with uh, sorcery and witchcraft and immorality, every kind of decline. And then God began to move. And the Bible tells us God raised up a king, a young king called Josiah. We'll tell you a bit more about him. And God had a destiny for this young man, Josiah. About 300 years before, God had looked down and his and said, at that point, when the nation's at its worst, at that point, when everything looks like it's fallen over, at that point, when it looks like there's no God, he said, I will raise up a young man. Hear that? A young man. His name will be Josiah, and Josiah will burn the bones of those prophets of Baal on that very altar that they offered the sacrifices. So God looks down through time. We only see the bit we're in right now, but God looks and he sees the big picture. And friend, just as God raised... And God raised up Jeremiah in a time when the whole of the priesthood was corrupt. His father must have been one of the priests that stood by while the altars and the house of God were defiled, while immorality and all kinds of things came in. His father must have been a part of a generation that totally compromised the ways of God. And yet, Jeremiah is born in such a generation. Jeremiah is born, and he has got a call on his life to make a difference in his generation. He's born into the generation of Josiah. I want to show you some things as we look through this, some things that we can conclude must have happened. Josiah was 20 years old when he began to be the king. And in the very first year, he came, the very first year of his reign, he decided he was going to have a national reformation. Everywhere there was an idol, everywhere there was something that had been raised up, the people worshipped instead of God, he was going to tear it down. Now, you imagine what that means, a young man at the age of 20 determining he is going to lead a nation away from immorality, away from witchcraft, away from spiritism, and lead that nation into the ways of God. Josiah embraced his prophetic destiny. Josiah was a young man who believed God had his hand on his life. And no matter how corrupt the nation, no matter what background he come from, Josiah decided he would identify with the call of God on his life. Jeremiah was born in that nation at that time. Jeremiah got the call of God on his life as a young man about one year after Josiah had begun his reformation. That means when Josiah began the reformation, it triggered off in Jeremiah a hunger to connect with God. And I want to share with you several little things about uh, Jeremiah, because the whole book of Jeremiah, I'm just going to share something out of this chapter 1 that will be a great help. Jeremiah, uh, Josiah was an apostolic reformer. He was a man raised up by God to change a nation in its belief system and structures. And Jeremiah was a prophet raised up to work alongside him and to work with him to bring about change in the nation. Now listen, we're living in the hour when God is restoring apostles and prophets 
to bring change in the church, bring change in the nation, and make the way for God to move to bring revival in the world. What a tremendous hour that we're living in. That's our hour. See, we look back, and we look back, and we say, oh, well, you know, all these idols and all that kind of thing. Listen, we've got our own set of idols. We've got our own set of addictions. We've got our own set of problems, own set of things that people are addicted to. And have to look at what young people are up to on the weekends to see how bad our nation is. And yet in the middle of it, God is looking for men like Josiah, like Jeremiah, that will stand up and say, I will embrace the call that is on my life. Josiah never looked back and said, what a miserable background. I've had, poor me. Now, Jeremiah never looked back and said, what well, compromise I've been through, poor me. Both of them identified with the call of God on their life. And that's what made them stand out. They took hold of what God had for them. And so I want you to look down and uh, read to verse uh, 5. It says, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Then I said, I can't speak. I'm only a young person. What a statement for him to make. I'm only a young person. Want you to understand here, number one, is that our past, our past, our background is not a hindrance to us unless we let it be. Say, God calls you to rise up out of your background and to make, a, make something with your life. The second thing we realize is that God has an assignment for you. It's unique to you. I want you to have a look at several things in this verse here. God has an assignment. God says to him, see, now how did God speak to him? I believe it happened like this. I believe when he saw someone stand up and begin a process of reformation, it triggered off on him a heart for God. and He began to seek God. Because later on, Jeremiah says, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah found God. How did he find God? He searched for him with all his heart. He sensed the fresh wind of the spirit in the nation. He sensed that in spite of how corrupt and how broken the nation was, in the middle of it all, God was doing something new. And he began to set his heart at that time to seek the face of the Lord, knowing that if he seeks him with all his heart, he will find God. Friend, every person who seeks God with all of their heart will find him. And when he found him, God spoke to him. And God began to speak personally into his life. Look what God says. God says several things to him. Number one, he says, I have created you. While you were in the womb, I formed you. Now, the doctors and scientists can tell you how you get formed in the womb. But God says, I had my hand. I was shaping you for this hour. Before you were even born, before anyone even thought about you, God thought about you. He says, I, 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 before you were formed in the womb, he said, I knew you. So the Bible tells us very clearly that God shaped us while we're in the womb, shaped and formed our spirit, shaped and formed our personality, the characteristics that make us who we are. And then it says he knew us. He knew every detail about our life. He knew what kind of background we'd be born into, what kind of troubles we'd have growing up, what kind of difficulties we'd be in. He knew all of those things. I knew you. He said, I knew all about the stuff in your life. I knew you, though. I knew you are a person called to make a difference in a nation. He said, people may not know you, but I know you better than you know you. Now you may think you know some things about you. You haven't even seen the half of it until you find what God knows about you. See, people will tell you what they've seen of you, what you've done in the past, but God looks and said, I know something about this man you don't know. I know he's, I can see in him something you can't see. I can see here that I have set him apart 
for to be a prophet under nations. God sees the destiny He has put into your heart. He sees the calling He has put into your heart. He sees the potential that lies in your life. He sees the things that He's planned for you. Friend, God has got many things planned for you to do, but if you do not connect with Him, how can you ever discover what they are? Friend, God sees things in us. He knows you. You think you know yourself. You don't know yourself really very well at all because you'll be focused on the problems, the lacks, what you look like, what your family's like, what kind of money you have or don't have, all kinds of exterior things. But God says in there, I see a prophet. I see an evangelist. I see a pastor. I see a preacher. I see a creative person. I see a musician. I see an entrepreneur in business. I see a missionary. I see someone who'll change a nation. God sees things we don't see. And God calls them like he sees them. So when God speaks to you, he speaks prophetically out of eternity to what could be in your life if you chose to respond to him. But you have to choose to respond to him. So God says some things. I knew you. I created you. I made you. I had a destiny. I had a plan for you. He says, I've appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. In other words, God has an assignment for your life. He has something for you to do. You notice what he says? He said, I have ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Not all, not all people are called to be prophets. And definitely not all prophets are called to the nations. But every person is called by God to be something and to do something. There is someone, you are the answer to their problem. There is someone God wants to send you to. There are people God wants you to connect with. Friend, you have an assignment in Hawke's Bay. Wherever you are, God has something for you to do. The question is, whether you'll live out of what you know about yourself or whether you'll embrace your creator's design and his pattern for your life and begin with passion to fulfill that call. And that's the challenge because the world we live in offers so many alternatives. Watch a bit of telly. Buy another DVD. Just go down to the beach. Chill out. Do this, do that. But where are the young men and young women that say, I was born for this hour God has a destiny for my life. I will never stop seeking him until I begin to hear his voice speak to me and begin to declare the things he has planned for me. See, no one else can do it. People can guide you. People can give advice to you. People can uh, give ideas. But most of their ideas come out of a limited perspective. In fact, all the things God had planned for me, most of the people around me didn't want me to do it. Think about that. Because what people wanted was people's ideas for me. What God wanted was God's ideas for me. See, because God said, I know you. Family and friends thought they knew me. They didn't know me at all. I didn't even know me. That's the problem. See, because you're raised up and you have all these ideas about yourself, your low esteem and all kinds of struggles with complex of issues you've had in your past. But God looks and sees there's gold inside that there. And I have something you've never even thought of. No wonder Jeremiah prophesied and said something like this of God. He said, I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I have for you. They're higher than your thoughts. And I said, and they are thoughts of good, not evil, to give you something in the future to look forward to. Friend, every believer should become one of the most motivated, passionate people in the community. Why? Because God has reached out and said, I made you. I didn't put you on the earth to breathe air, live a life, eat and drink and die. 
I put you on the earth for an eternal plan. There are people for you to impact. There are people for you to touch their life with what I put in you. Friend, there's an assignment in this life for you. And I'm the only one who can bring that dream to birth in your heart. That's why every person needs to know God. Because God will say things that you'd never thought of. Never in a million years would you ever have thought of them. I, I guess I would never have thought of doing the things I do. Dougie wouldn't have thought, except in more recent years, till he gave his life passionately to the Lord, that he would be going and doing what he was doing. He'd never have thought of that. His parents definitely wouldn't have thought of that. His friends wouldn't have thought of that. But you know something? When he gave his life passionately to the Lord, I, I spoke to Doug earlier this year, and I said, Doug, I just had in my heart to send you up to China. How would you feel about going up into China, the underground church? And he said to me these words. He said, it's a dream I have held in my heart for 13 years. How about that? Eh? Because his wife was a part of the dream, and so immediately, yes. See, because the time had come. There was all that preparation. See, Jeremiah's time came, but there was a dream in his heart. Do you have any dream in your heart? If you have no dream in your heart, no dream, a God-given dream in your heart, then where are you going? You're lost. You're lost. You're like a ship without a rudder, blowing in a wind. And if you don't have a dream, don't be condemned by the fact you don't have a dream. Set your heart, I will have a dream for my life. I'm going to begin to seek God until I begin to hear God's voice resonate with the desires in my heart. And it begins to be clear in my mind. And I begin to discover, I was born for this. Ah, this is what I was called to do. My goodness, someone's put inside me, I was called to do this. Hey? Only God can give that to you. So notice here, it said, Jeremiah, God speaks to him. He said, this is what I tell you. He said, I've created you. I know you better than you know yourself. I shaped you and I've set you apart. Now, God sanctifies us. That means this. God considers you belong to him. And he has a plan for your life. And any violation of that plan is actually a violation away from the will of God for your life. It's your responsibility to sanctify yourself. Get to deal with holiness and purity and serving God passionately inside. That's our responsibility. Notice the next thing you say here. He says, uh, it says here in verse, it says in verse 4. I'll go back to verse 4 again. It said, the word of the Lord came to me. So the third thing is, number one, your generational background is not a limitation. Number two, God has an assignment for you. Number three, you need an impersonal encounter with God. You need your own personal encounter with God. You cannot live off the faith of your parents. You cannot live off the faith of your friends. You cannot live off the faith of the church. You can't live off the faith of the pastor. These things can be a support, but ultimately you have to have your own encounter with God. You must encounter God personally. You know, this is how Jesus builds his church. He builds his church on revelation. Matthew 16, 18, on this found rock will I build my church. It's the rock of revelation. A personal encounter, hearing God speak to you for yourself. Friend, when you hear God speak to you for yourself, this is exactly what helps overcome the objection. Notice the first thing that he comes up with is this. He comes up with, well, and this tells us what he was thinking. He said, well, I'm a child. I'm only a young person. I'm too young to be doing any great things for God. And he says, not only that, I'm not very confident in speaking. So he looks at himself naturally. 
And when he looks at himself naturally, he says, I'm limited. I can't possibly do the things you've got for me. Now, of course, that's the problem. We all think that way naturally. We, we need to have a dream for God's dream and see young children from the age of 5 through to 13. And they're prophesying. They're praying for people, moving in the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. You say, how could that be? Well, you're thinking naturally. You're thinking, because I never did that, how could the next generation be? But God will accelerate it. The next generation will be exactly like that. Our kids' church is teaching the kids to be like that. The youth are teaching the kids to be young people to be like that. See, there's a new generation arising. And so we don't think out of the natural things. You look naturally, you say things will never change. You have to look from the eyes of the Spirit. What does God say? You need, we need our own encounter with God. Church needs to grow to another level of personal encounter with God. And every personal encounter with God costs us something. There's no fire from heaven without a personal sacrifice. You want an encounter with God beyond your salvation experience? You need to press in in prayer. You need to take time to fast and seek Him. You need time reading the Word of God. We need time hungering to find and discover a fresh input from God that will shape the next decade and the whole future of our lives. So you need a personal encounter. What excuse are you making? He made the excuse, well, I'm too young. Moses made a similar excuse. Well, I come too young. I can't talk. Gideon said, well, I'm too young. And my family, well, that's the worst family in the place. And the tribe we're part of, that's the, that's the smallest tribe in the whole of Israel. How could I possibly be a leader? But you see, God says, I know you. You're my leader. I've been planning this for generations. From Genesis chapter 1, when I said, you know, let there be light. I had in mind, in this hour, you would arise and be such a person. Don't say it can't happen. Moses argued with him, God shut down all the arguments. Gideon argued with him, shut down all the arguments. Jeremiah argues with him and God said, be quiet. He said, don't say with your mouth that you're too young. Don't say you can't. And he said, I want you to align with my words. I want you to speak what I says. I am with you. That's all you need. He said, I am with you. I'll put words in your mouth. I want you to align yourself so you see things as I see them. Because how will you be different and how will you have an answer for the nation if you see everything the same way everyone else does? You have to see it differently. You have to see differently. Do you see things differently? I tell you, if you see things differently, I'm sure you're an irritation to everyone around you. If you see things differently and talk differently, then you don't fit in. That's part of serving God. We don't fit in. We're part of another generation. So we're not fit in. We actually are called to influence and change and impact and lead. Not to fit in so well that no one even knows you're there. That's one of the difficulties is in our society, particularly in New Zealand, everyone wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to fit in. Everyone wants to conform. Not politically correct to be different. But when you stand up and say, well, I think this, you start to make a difference. See, so what excuses are you giving? See, See the men who are young, think about all the people who are young. Joseph, when he was 17, got a vision that changed his life. At 17, he knew he was going to be a leader and a ruler over a nation. And in fact, all his brothers and family would come and seek his help. At 17, he knew that. David was probably about 12, 13, 14 when God came to him in the form of Samuel and anointed and said, you're going to be a king. 
Josiah was eight when God put him in as a king. But prior to that, 300 years ago, God had prophesied of him. He would raise up at the age of 20. He began a reformation through the nation. Jeremiah was just a young man, probably of the same age range as Josiah. You have a look at Jesus, the age of 12. He said, I must be about my father's business. At 12, he had a strong idea and concept of where he was going and the call in his life. You look at the disciples, they were all young men. They were the sons of someone in business. They were the sons of someone running a business. All of them were young men. You have a look in the New Testament. We find when God brought judgment into the church, it was the young men who carried the bodies out. There were young men everywhere through the Bible, from one end to the other, young people that believed they could make a difference in their generation. This is what Jeremiah became. So we need to align ourselves with what God says about it. Here's the last one. We need to embrace God's vision for our life. Let's have a look and read down through here. So your vision will determine your future. Read through verse 9. And the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Now I want you to see these words. There's some words you should underline. Because as we look through it, we'll see that God says, I want you to see some things. I want you to see. Why does he want him to see it? Because what you see is where you'll go. If you don't see anything for your future, you'll go nowhere. See, today the generation of young people live without hope. That's why they're on drugs all the time, why they get in all kinds of things, because there's no future. They have no plan, no dream, nothing to aspire to. And so God's word to him was, I want you to see some things. So out of his personal encounter with God, God showed him some things. And that's what every believer here needs. We need God to speak to us personally and to see things. We need to see what our life could be. We need to see. There's several things God wanted him to see. Let me show you some things that God wanted him to see. We'll just read them. Just watch these words. The Lord touched my mouth and said, Behold, or see, look. Look what I've done. I put my words into your mouth. He, then he goes on and he says, See, look. He said, This day I have made you a prophet over nations, and you will do these things. You will tear down, you'll root out, pull down, destroy, plant, uh, throw down, and then you'll build and plant. And then he's, the word of the Lord came and said, Now, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see an almond tree. He says, You've seen well. I'll hasten my word to perform it. And then the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, What do you see? He said, I see the pot, the face towards the north. And then verse 18, he says, Behold, I have made you, see, I have made you a defense city, and I will be with you. I want you to see several things that God wanted him to see. These are things that affect our future. Have you seen anything that God has shown you about yourself? What do you see about your future? What do you see about God's working in your life? Let me give you the five things that God wanted him to see. Number one, he said, see, I put my words, my words in your mouth. I put them there. He wanted him to see that God is the source of everything he would accomplish in his life and ministry. He wanted to see he had access to a source. See, I'm behind this. I'm giving you the words. It's not a dream of your own. It's not some ministry you kind of thought up because you want to have a ministry so you'll feel good and fulfill your needs. He said, see, it's me putting the words. I'm the source. He wanted us to know our source. If you're in business, then God is your source. If you're involved in some ministry area, God is your source. We have to know our source. We have to recognize that to do what you are called to do, you must draw on the resources of God. So God says, hey, I'm your source. You need some help to get over issues at school? God says, look to me. Can you see that I'm the source? I'll give you the words. 
I'll give you everything you need to do what I call you to do. So God wants us to see that he's the source. Number one, he's the source. Number two, as he said here, he said, I have set you to stay over nations and kingdoms, to root out, pull down, destroy, and so on and so forth. He wants us to see the area of our responsibility. He wants to see what the Bible calls our metron. Our metron is the realm of influence God has given us. Your metron is what God made you responsible for. It's not what someone else is responsible for. Your metron is what God made you responsible for. Now, you can pick up everyone else's business and be a busybody, or you can do what God called you to do. So, one, we need to see God's the source. Two, we need to see what he's called us to do. What are we responsible to do? If you're an evangelist and got that call, you're responsible to train, develop, and to bring the word of God. If you live in the school, you're responsible in the season you're in the school to reach out to the young people that are in your sphere of influence. You're in business, you're responsible to reach out to the people in your sphere of influence. If you're at home or you're serving in the community, then there's a sphere of influence. You are responsible. God wants you to see. Now, I tell you, if you go to school and all you see, a lot of kids and it's hard to get on, there's demands and assignments, you're not seeing You're just not seeing that God placed you in that school at this point in history so you could have influence. Not just learn, but have influence. If you see, I'm in business, and what do you look at your business? Well, I see I've got bills, I've got problems, I've got all these challenges and things coming. You're not seeing. You're not seeing God called you to be pastor to business people. You're not seeing what God wants you to see. If we just go to a, uh, you know, you go into a shop and you just go up there and there's the lady on the counter and she's just serving you and and you just hand your money over and, and there you are, you take your goods and walk off. You're not seeing. You're not seeing a soul Jesus wants to influence through you. You're not seeing right. So God wants us to see, to see differently. Are you seeing anything different? If you just see what everyone else sees you go the same place they go. It's only vision that makes us go further. We need God to open our eyes. Lord, open my eyes to the harvest. Even Jesus had to talk to the disciples. He said, lift up your eyes and see. It's all around you. They just walked past a person who Jesus saw was going to be the center revival in the region. They walked by because she's a woman and Samaritan and because they want food. See differently. Ask God to show you to see differently. I was with uh, some business people in Taiwan. Now, these guys are tycoons. That means a lot of money. Now, we're not talking little money. We're talking lots. We're talking so much that they have to have bodyguards, armed bodyguards. And you don't even get to see them unless you get past armed bodyguards. So they can't come to church easily. Why? Because wherever they go, they're in fear. Why? They've got to have armed bodyguards turn up with them in church. And, and these people have got all the money you could ever imagine. I sat down with them. They asked, they asked me if I would come and see them. They just got saved about six months ago. The guy had got millions of dollars of antiques and idols that he had stored and gathered over a period of his lifetime. He destroyed the whole lot out of a desire and a hunger to serve God right. And he wanted me to come and sit with him and talk with him. So Joe and I went into their house. We had to get past two armed guards to get there. And we got into this place. And we went in there. And I don't know. You see, what, see, the world paints the picture. If you've got all this money and all these things, you'll be happy. You're not seeing. It can't make you happy. As I sat there, I saw something different. And I said to the lady, I said, you're full of grief. I see you like a bird in a cage that's brought out and looked at and then put away. And you have no life. 
She began to weep and weep and weep. We prayed for her. She got delivered. She fell on the floor. All kinds of spirits came out of her. And then after that, she stood up and she began to speak. She said, I hate all this stuff around me. I hate the life I have. I despise it all. And I suppose everyone outside, they see something different. They see the Mercedes. They see the chauffeur. They see the money. They see the mixing with the, uh, the prime minister, mixing with all the cabinet people, mixing in high authority. What they don't see is he lives in fear all the time and has to have an armed guard. She lives in fear with her life shut down. And I said to them, I said, let me ask you this. I said, what's happening in your life at this point? And we began to talk with him, and he was afraid. I said, what an amazing thing. And I said, have you talked to your friends about Christ? He said, yeah, but they think church is for a place for the needy. I said, oh, church is true as a place for people in need, but it's a place for something more than that. It's a place for you to discover purpose and destiny. I said, look at you at 40, you got all the money you need, you got everything around you you need, and you're living shut up in a house in fear. Do you know why you've got that money? Do you know why you are positioned in life with all these resources? He said, you've got the money, and you're in this stage in your life, and you haven't got a clue why you've got it. Only God can give you purpose and meaning to this. And unless you let God speak to you, you'll continue to be miserable for the rest of your life. See, God put you here for a purpose. You can reach the prime minister. You can reach every sector at the upper level of society. God has put you there for a purpose. You have to see beyond your money, beyond your business, and see what God wants you to accomplish through it. See, you've got to see. You need to see. We met one businessman in, uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, he is uh, probably most, uh, top law, uh, one of the most powerful men in Hong Kong. Very, very rich, wealthy. He got saved. You know what he does now? He just puts on a banquet, invites every one of his friends to come from every era of society and hear his testimony as he talks about his life before Christ. Now he's come to Christ. And so people from all through all kinds of levels of society in Hong Kong are coming to Christ through this man's testimony. Absolutely bold, unashamed. I am here to spread the gospel. I am here to advance the kingdom of God through my business every place I go. See, he sees. He can see. Can you see? See, God wants to open your eyes. To open your eyes, you've got to hunger after him and then begin to unlock the dreams, the visions that are in your heart. The third thing that God shows him was his endorsement. See, notice what he said here. He said in verse 11, he said, see, what do you see? And he said, I see a rod of an almond tree. He said, I will watch over my word to perform it. See, and God wants him to see this. He wants to see. See, the almond tree was the, a tree that was bearing fruit, the earliest tree to bear fruit. And God said, I want you to see that whatever I tell you, I'll back up. He wants to see that whatever God calls you to do, he'll back you up in it. If you are doing what God called you to do, you have God's backing for it. You can lean totally and completely on him to accomplish it. You see, so if you're in a place and you begin to see what God's called you to do and you start to do it, God will supply you. He'll give you what you need. You say, but I'm too young. I don't have the idea. God will give you the ideas. God will give you the inspiration. God will put things into your heart. And when you begin to operate in it, God will back you up and stand with you. I want you to see the next thing that God gave me. He said, I want you to see. What else do you see? Have another look. See what else you see. He said, oh, I see a seething pot. Now God gives him a specific word of direction for the nation. So the other thing that God gives us and wants us to see is a specific thing he wants you to do. There must be something God wants you to do this year. There must be something God wants you to do next year. 
There must be something God wants you to do. Did you stop to ask him? Or do you see what everyone else sees? If we're going to live above the majority, we have to see beyond the majority. And God calls us to get prophetic insight, to get insight from heaven. And finally, the last thing he wanted to say in verse 18, he said, Behold, I've made you this day a defense city, an iron pillar. And then he said, verse 19, I'll fight against you but not prevail against you, for I am with you. He wanted him to realize that although there would be opposition, God would empower him to get the victory every time. When you go out, do you see that if you're doing what God called you to do, you're going to win every time. You will ultimately prevail over every setback. God will help you to do it because he's with you. When you go out into the community, school, business, wherever you are, do you carry a sense, God is with me. I am doing what God called me to do. Or you're sitting there in a class saying, I wish this was all over. I get out of here. I want to get out and get a job. You aren't seeing right. You're missing it. And when you get that job, you'll miss it there too. You're missing it because you're not seeing what God sees. That right now, he has something he wants you to do. And the only one who can put that in your heart and tell you is God himself. And so Jeremiah said, if you, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And God will begin to speak and uncover and release dreams. The Bible tells us prophetically in the last days... That young men, young men, young people, young men, young women should have visions from God of the destiny he has for them. Old people also. In fact, it's not a matter of age. It's actually a matter of your attitude and spirit. We have in Hawke's Bay, one of the greatest population sectors of Hawke's Bay in the growing years is going to be the 50 plus. There's going to be increasing numbers of people in that age range in Hawke's Bay. But I don't see anyone yet with a passion to reach them with the gospel. I was thinking about a timeline. If you just drew a timeline, you know, went naught to 10, and then 10 to 20, 10 to 30, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50. Man, that's five decades of a life. How much more left? 10? 20, possibly. We're in the season when people are dying. And that's all the time left to make a difference with your life. That's scary. I know I was with a uh, young man on a, on a plane recently, and, and I realized he was from a class. He was in, he was in my class at school. He began to tell me all the people that had died in the class. I couldn't believe it. I thought, I don't feel like dying yet. I've got far too much to do. I'm nowhere near dying off yet. I'm too busy. I've got too many other things to get done. I've got things I've got to accomplish. I've got dreams to fulfill. Okay? But imagine you're in the 50 to 60, or maybe you're 60 to 70, or maybe you're 70 plus. You have such a short time to make a difference with your life. Don't see your life as just filling in until you die. See yourself as having vital days. Every day is a day to count for Jesus. Every day is a day to make a difference. Can you say amen? Say amen. Once we turn our lights off, what we're going to do right now is we're going to just show a clip in about some slides. I want you to see God moving in Taiwan. I want you to see God's spirit moving to touch because we're living in a day of miracles. And you need to actually let your expectation for miracles come up. That God would work through you. These signs will follow those who believe. Have you got a dream in your life that the power of God would flow through you? David had it. He said, Lord, 
now that I'm old and grey-headed, he said, let me not depart until I've shown your power to this generation and the one to come. See, until the day he died, he lived dreaming of showing the power and life of God to people. I want you to watch and see the power and life of God flowing to people. And I want you, as you watch it, just look past the miracles. Look past them. Look at the miracles, but look past them. And the same God who's working these miracles is here tonight, wanting to work through you to touch people. After that, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to him. Say, see, can you see yourself? And God is working through you. See it. See it tonight. See the miracle God we serve working through you and the response in people as they receive a miracle. Can we just put it on now? That girl that was uh, totally deaf, she was born deaf, and she was the leader of the blind ministry. That's right, the deaf ministry, so she did all the sign language. You show the video clip and you can see her get healed. She was well known. In fact, it was so well known right through the church and through all the area of her influence with the, the deaf ministry that for her to be healed, they just stopped the service and began to check it out to see it was real. And you'll see the, the look on her face as uh, it's real all right now. And uh, there was a lady there who had been uh, blind since she had, a, uh, she had a, uh, um, a tumor in the brain and it was pressing against the optic nerve and so she could not see. And uh, God healed her. She could immediately see. So God is a great God. I want to just close our eyes right now. Just be, before we have an opportunity to pray for people, I want to just ask this one question. If you're not a Christian here tonight, what stops you from giving your life to Jesus Christ? What is in the way of you making a decision to connect with the God who loves you, created you, formed you, had a plan for you, and set in place circumstances in your life that brought you here tonight? What stops you from saying, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Jesus, I open my heart to you tonight. Jesus, I want to become your servant. I want to live my life out of the plan of God because there's an emptiness and there's something that I can't seem to fill. If that's you tonight, quickly raise your hand. Just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed. Is there any person here not yet a Christian? You never made your own personal commitment to Jesus. Jesus said to everyone who received him, who made him welcome in their life, believed or put their trust in him, he said he gave them power to become a child of God. If you're here tonight and you've never put your life in God's hands, never received Jesus, you're not a Christian. You may be a good person, but you're still cut off from God. Because it's not our goodness that brings us to heaven. What brings us to heaven is faith and trust in what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Jesus went and died on the cross for our sins. Why? Because sin separates us from the Almighty God. Jesus rose again from the dead after three days because God wanted to demonstrate his power over sin and death. Today, the only way a person can enter heaven is by saying yes to Jesus Christ to receive him personally as their savior. If you're here tonight and you've never done that, you may have gone to church for years and never done it. You can't be a second generation Christian. There's only first generation ones. Those who have had their own commitment to Christ, made their own decision. If that's you tonight, would you raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anyone here tonight? God bless. See the hand up over there. God bless you, son. Is there anyone else? Anyone else here tonight want to give the hand to the Lord? Just raise your hand so I can see. 
any other person tonight give their life to Jesus. Friend, you may be feeling a, a, like your heart's pain, racing. Inside there's a turmoil going on. That's because God is speaking to you. He's drawing you to himself. Just raise your hands. I want to say yes to Jesus tonight. I want to give my life to him. I want to have my life changed. I want God's life to come into me. I want to be connected to Almighty God. If that's you tonight, why don't you raise your hand? Perhaps there's some here tonight and you know that you're disconnected from God. You, you've got lots of things going wrong in your life. You say, Lord, tonight I want to come back to you. Why don't you raise your hand? Lord, I want to come back to you tonight. You know, God will always receive us back if we have a repentant heart. See someone over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, let's see. God, over there. That's right. Come on, there's others need you tonight to come back. How can you fulfill your destiny if you're separated from the one who writes it? How can you fulfill God's dream for your life? If you're not even connected to him. The other hands, as others need to respond. This is what we're going to do now. We're going to give you in a moment. We're just all going to stand. We're all going to clap. And then when we're all clapping, I want you to make your way out of your seat. Come to the front and face me. And what I'll do is I'm going to lead you through a simple prayer. To open your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Receive forgiveness. Become joined to the living God. Even if you haven't put your hand up yet, you can come. You can come to the front. If you brought a friend with you and you know they're not a Christian, ask them if you'd like you to come up with them. Okay, church, let's all stand and clap as people come to the Lord tonight. Want us to stand, let's clap. One over here, towards the back. Several people coming to Christ or coming back to Him. Just come now. Come on, church, let's clap as people come. See a person from down the back there. Someone from over here. That's right, come on. Come on, let's give them all a clap. Come on down here, dear. That's right. Come on, that's right. Come on down. That's right. Just bring your friends with you. That's good. That's good. Fantastic. Awesome. Come on, dear. That's right. Come on. Anyone else? Come on, you can come. Is anyone else? Not too late now to come. Come back to the Lord or come and give your heart to Him for the first time. Is anyone else? What a great decision. Great to see some young men here. Wonderful women, too. Glad you brought your friends. It's a wonderful thing to do. I want you to close your eyes. We're just going to pray a simple prayer. Jesus came in this world to offer us a relationship. The block in that relationship is sin, things that are wrong in our life. When we receive Christ and trust Him, He will forgive and take away everything that was wrong. We've just got some work to do to rebuild our life with God, but He cancels all the sin, gives us a new start. I want you to follow me, church. Let's all follow me in this prayer right now. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Tonight I receive Jesus as my Savior. I turn away from sin, the other things ruining my life, and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I receive forgiveness for all my sins. I receive your love. I receive your Spirit into my life. And I give you my life tonight. I thank you, Jesus. You will never leave me. You will always be faithful to me. Tonight I commit to serve you and follow you. Amen. Thank you. Just keep your eyes closed. Father, I just thank you. 
But each one of these ones here is special to you. Lord, I just pray for your loving presence. Touch her right now. Bring peace into her heart. Thank you, Lord. Father, touch her. Restore her. Let your presence come into her life. Father, I just thank you. There's been a tremendous wrestling going on in your life for the last 18 months. All kinds of struggles, all kinds of difficulty with family and all kinds of issues. But tonight, God receives you. He loves you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I break all generational curses. I break the power of spirits which have troubled you. Break the hold right now. I release God's love. Touch your Lord. People in every generation responding to Christ. Father, I thank you for this young man tonight. Father, release your presence into his life. Touch him, encourage him, strengthen him. Father, I thank you for this young man. Lord, raise him up as a leader. Lord, let him begin to discover his destiny, the possibilities in his life. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this young man. Call of God to be a leader. Father, I pray you hand upon his life powerfully from tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you give them all a clap? There's someone, there's someone standing behind you will just share with you the next steps of walking with the Lord. If, uh, if you just see Doug here, he's our pastor. And uh, why don't you just follow him? They're just going to share with you a few things. It won't take a few minutes. They'll give you a little gift, something to follow you up and just get your name. Just follow Doug through there. Make sure you just go that way. God bless now. Let's give him a great clap, church. Come on now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just one tonight, just the next thing you want to do is want to pray for people who have hearing troubles. Tonight you saw a miracle. You know God can do it. Faith is stirred in your heart. Why don't you come? Let's believe God for a miracle for you tonight. You got hearing troubles tonight. Why don't you come? People with hearing troubles, ringing in the ears, can't sleep, buzzing noises in the ears, uh, trouble with hearing in one ear, loss of hearing, uh, or loss of balance that goes with ear troubles. If that's you tonight, why don't you come quickly to the front? Just come. Any others tonight? Hearing troubles? We're just going to pray for you in a moment. After we've prayed for you, I want you to check out your ear. Just block the good ear and uh, check whether there's an improvement in hearing. Then be willing to come and testify and tell someone about what God has done. So don't go back to your seat. If God's given you a miracle, we want you to tell everyone what God did. Church, why don't we sit down? I need some of my leaders to come up and just help me in praying for people in a moment. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. All right, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, not only for my sins, but he carried all of my sicknesses. Tonight, Lord, I ask you for a miracle. I ask for my ears to be restored. And tonight, by faith, I receive that healing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll get some leaders come and lay hands on you in a moment. As they lay hands on you, just receive God's power flowing into your life. And what happened to all my leaders, however, I can pray.